so dig this. I, so you Larry, do a show at, with the, at, the, at the forum. At the forum. I with the Lakers. No, no, at the Staples Center. With the Lakers. And Shaq was the guest star, too. Right. So Larry says, and he was great. Shaq's a good guy. So he said, let's go back. And this is like two, like a year and a half ago. And they were all, they were practicing, and, and they were naked. So Shaq... The, the, the Lakers practice naked? No, this happened before... They, oh, oh, they oh. shoot the show five months in advance. Okay, I see, It was see, during the playoffs. Right. So for some reason... He went back to the locker room. Yeah, yeah. Larry says, we got to thank him. I said, oh, fine, whatever you want. And uh, so I go there, and Shaq, you know, he's a man, I'm a man, okay? But he's 7'3". Mm -hmm. How come his... Why isn't his head the size of, like, five, you know, gigantic basketballs? I don't understand it. It doesn't right. make any... Right. Because I look down at another man's... Penis. Yeah. I'm a man, too. Yeah. Well, come on. Okay. I didn't... I actually said... I started shaking like I had some kind of disease, and I was shaking <laughs> like, like Marley's ghost. And I went... And I actually said to Shaq, Conan, I went, what is that? <laughs> and he... To another man. And he had no idea. <laughs> Kid, can I stand up with a camera? Can you get me standing up? Oh, please. We're going to see now. He has this on a sled like All Rose, right. bud. It has to be a foreign exchange student. Has to be. I have never seen anything like it. It has to be a tax deduction. I went home immediately, and I got... I, got, I went home immediately. I went home. Johnny, join me at the window, Johnny. <laughs> so I went home. So dig this. <laughs> I don't have a lot of time, Conan. I don't have a lot of time. Oh, what? I have no time. You asked me this question. I'm answering you. So I, I think I asked you, how are you? And then we got here. I don't, no, think, I, don't think, I don't think the question was, let's talk about Shaq's penis. It's not here. No, you it's asked me about penis. the show. It was the, it was the toughest show. So I went home and I took off my pants. And I was... Oh, no, we want to hear about your pants coming no, off. No, I looked at my own pants because I, I just saw something that was hanging like a salami. And, I, and, I, and my penis looked like a semicolon. I almost had a nervous breakdown. So that's it. Come on. All right, this is something else. I'm in a sexual mood. I miss my girlfriend. Rest in peace to the hilarious Richard Lewis. An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Hey, change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 459, submission number 251, Easy Street. Easy Street aired on NBC from September 13th, 1986 to April 29th, 1987 for 22 episodes. That is six more than a crock block. And this is the second show we've covered that premiered on September 13th of 1986. The other one being Galaxy High School back in episode 406. But counting the shows that we've covered that appeared in September of 1986, I one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the other entries are Doctor Who, The Trial of a Time Lord Season back in episode 427, Galaxy High School, which I mentioned back in 406, Photon back in episode 234. 
Life with Lucy back in episode 243. Together We Stand Nothing is Easy back in episode 416. And guys, the last one. From episode 277. What a country! Sing it! I want to be in America. Do, 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 do. In America, he's right for me. Do. I still don't know the rest of the words in the middle. Well, hey, while we research that, how about you listen to the theme to this show? talking about this show as like part three of the great Hugh Wilson trilogy on this podcast. Part one, of course, being the famous Teddy Z. And then part two being Frank's Place. When it was Thank Frank's you. Place? They, yeah, it was. It was Frank's Place. It was the dramedy that was a little bit better than the famous Teddy Z, but not as good as what we're covering here. Or is it the other way around? I don't know. Anyway. But it also gave us Shadi LaRue. Shadi LaRue. And hey, I said I was going to put that sound in retirement. I lied. Here it is. <laughs> my son's favorite character from my son's favorite show he plays, Shadi LaRue and Frank's place, Don Yeso. Thank you, John Barber. So, Hugh Wilson, coming off of Police Academy. After Police Academy... He had a lesser-known movie called Rustler's Rhapsody with Tom Berenger and Celia Ward. Ooh. It was no body slam. No, it wasn't. And then you have, on the other end of things, the cancellation of WKRP and Lonnie Anderson, who was sort of an ingenue of Hugh Wilson, was coming off of a season paired with Linda Carter on Partners in Crime. That's another entry for another day. Both would be reunited for this project on NBC, which would take another lighthearted look at the emerging class war of the 1980s, because in the 1980s, it is a truth universally acknowledged that in America, there are three ways to get rich. One, when a lottery, sweepstakes, or other form of game. Two, inheritance. And three, marry into money. This show takes a witty look at two of these things. I see you're smirking, Mike. Yeah, because I'm watching the open to What a Country because I want to get the right lyrics for Greg. Anyway, L.K. Stevenson is a former Vegas showgirl who married a young, wealthy husband named Ned McGuire. The McGuires live in Palm Springs in a neighborhood that can be best described as rich. Everything is perfect except for the fact that Ned 
all of a sudden took ill, found himself dying, and is, in fact, dead. And if you know anything about the law and marriages without prenups, and there is no evidence of a prenup in the 22 episodes of this show, LK, by virtue of being Ned's wife, gets everything. Which is a thorn in the side of their in-laws, the Standards. Eleanor and Quentin Standard. You see, Eleanor Standard is Ned McGuire's sister. Which makes them sisters-in-law. And she wants all of Ned's fortune to herself. Because, of course she does. And then we have, on the other end of this craziness, LK's uncle, Alvin Bully Stevenson, and his best friend-slash-roommate, Ricardo Williams, at the Shady Grove Retirement Home in Los Angeles. Nice view if you like watching bag ladies at work, according to the fall preview issue of TV Guide from 1986. In fact, Bully is so thrilled with his life in general that he's about to drown himself in the bathtub. LK arrives saying, how would you like to spend a weekend with me? And it turns out she's a rich widow with a mansion, tennis courts, chauffeur, and all. To which Ricardo says, Thank you, Jesus. So we have two sides of this coin with LK, Bully, and Ricardo living in the mansion alongside Eleanor and Quentin. Suffice it to say, hilarity ensues, especially when you throw in Bobby the Butler, who is basically your stereotypical sitcom butler in the mold of Benson Dubois or Jeffrey Butler. So now that you know the story, let's talk about the actors. L.K. McGuire, played by Lottie Anderson. No explanation needed. Her uncle, Alvin Bully Stevenson, is played by Jack Elam, best known for numerous roles as a villain in westerns. In 1994, he was inducted into the Hall of Great Western Performers of the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum in Oklahoma City. Sadly, died in 2003 of congestive heart failure. His roommate, Ricardo Williams, is played by Lee Weaver, best known as his blind seer role in the 2000 epic and it really is an epic. Oh, brother, where art thou? He was also the original mailman in 1985's 227. But Greg, yeah. he was a junkyard owner in an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, that's great. What episode? Bums making a mess all over the city. Oh, bums making a mess all over the city. And you know what they mean by making a mess. Oh, we all know. I think in case you don't know, we should ask Ernest Borgnine. I masturbate a lot. Getting mileage out of that clip the last couple weeks. But you said he was the mailman in 227? Yes. So that means he got to see Helen Martin just sitting there in the window. And don't forget, this week on 227, I sent you guys an image of Helen Martin sitting in the window that said, Happy 227. 
Awesome. I'm sure the listeners really enjoy hearing that anecdote. Oh, I want to know what Mike sent it. The guys in the group chat that we have to celebrate February 27th. Well, there you go. Hey, on the Facebook page, we celebrated Leap Day by playing the end of that 130-track Leap Day episode with John Cullum as Leap Day Willem. Playing the role of Eleanor Standard, Dana Ivey, who is more of a stage actress than anything. She was in stage productions of Macbeth, Present Laughter, Sunday in the Park with George, and she actually earned an Obie Award for her performance in Quartermain's Terms and Driving Miss Daisy. She originated the title role of Miss Daisy. And playing her husband, her put-upon husband, Quentin Standard, James Cromwell. I don't need to tell you what he's done. He's known for two films and two films only. Babe and Star Trek First Contact. And more. I mean, we've talked about him, geez, probably about five times at this point. So that means we could make a Hall of Fame case. Just saying. In fact, he recently won the Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a limited series or movie for his role in American Horror Story Asylum. I know it's not recent, but it's recent enough. And rounding out the cast as Bobby the Butler, Arthur Mallet, a British actor who was in Halloween, The Secret of Nim, Hook, and Mary Poppins. He reprised his role of Mr. Ages for The Secret of Nim 2, Timmy to the Rescue, which was his final film role. So now that you know all of the players, let's talk about what really happened on Easy Street. As we start with the pilot. Just as Bully prepares to commit suicide, estranged niece LK arrives to whisk him and his roommate away to her luxurious mansion. Also living at the mansion, her deceased husband's sister and her husband, who aren't happy with the new arrangement. While Quentin tries to make the best of the situation, Snobby Eleanor wants them all out of her brother's mansion. Episode 2. Pride goeth before a cheap hotel. LK attempts to lavish bully with her wealth, which makes him uncomfortable, understandable, so he decides to return to the retirement home. Among the names in this episode, playing Mr. Haskell, it was a thing, Hall of Famer, that bastard Charles Logan, Gregory Itson. Oh, amazing. But also, he's not the only person who was on 24, because remember, James Cromwell played Jack Bauer's dad on 24. Are we just going to ignore the fact that Gregory Itzen lost to a guy who busted his kneecap on few? Episode 3, Two-Party System. Eleanor refuses to invite Bully and Ricardo to her anniversary party, so LK throws another party upstairs. Because that worked so well on Save by the Bell, didn't it? I'm going to say we have a name here. Play with me here. Playing upstairs party guest is a gentleman by the name of Michael Gregory. If you have played some video games recently, you've heard his voice. In Madden NFL 18, 
He was the voice of Coach Housler. But also, you've played Cyberpunk 2077. He's the voice of Victor Vector. And let's be honest. If you played Cyberpunk 2077, you obviously hate money. Well, to be honest, the game's now 20 bucks, and I'm sure they patched it all up by now. I'm sure they patched it all up, but yeah, back when it was released, it didn't get the best receptions. Other games he did voices for were Star Wars The Old Republic, Ninja Gaiden 3, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, and one of my favorite games, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Episode 4, Comes a Horse. What are you doing? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, what are you doing to that horse? Comes a horse. Comes a horse. Someone, please leave Francesa away from the horses. Look, guys, Mike Francesa met Secretariat. I don't know if you know that, but he met Secretariat. He said so. And I think based on this title, he may have also inseminated Secretariat. Good night, everybody. (laughs) He said it, not me. Hey, Ernest Borgnine, what do you have to say about this? I masturbate a lot. When Eleanor doesn't let Bully and Ricardo ride her prize racehorse, they go out by their own, only to come home with a broken down mare. In this episode, there's a veterinarian who's obviously trying to take care of this broken down mare, and he's played by William Frankfather. Not a big name, but I mentioned him for one reason and one reason only. Greg, he was in a 1995 episode of Wings. And Greg, I don't know if we've ever heard how you really feel about Wings. Yes, everyone knows I love Wings. I mentioned it 159 episodes ago. Well, no, you mentioned it for the first time 159 episodes ago. That's right. That was the first time. Can you believe that in 300 episodes, I never mentioned I love Wings until that moment? Never, ever. Never did. And if you're curious, it's season seven, episode three, Death Becomes Him. He was also in episodes of no less than three previous entries. J.J. Starbuck, The Slap Maxwell Story, and Frank's Place. And he may have been on three previous entries at this point, but taking a look at his IMDb, I can tell there's about two or three more that might be coming down the road Possibly soon. I don't want to say low-key Hall of Fame case because we've never really mentioned him, but just throwing that out there. He's one away from five, and we're definitely going to cover him again in the future. Episode five, man overboard, man overboard. Oh, my God, there's a man overboard. Bully crashes Eleanor's ladies' luncheon and wins the affections of one of the guests. LK couldn't be happier, but Eleanor is naturally horrified. Playing said lady, Midge Bacon, <laughs> Bacon, Anne Haney, played Mrs. Selner and Mrs. Doubtfire, and was in eight episodes of future entry movie stars, and 11 as Judge Marilyn Travellini in L.A. Law. I really don't want to talk about it. Not another Pulaski episode. And we've also talked about her in the past. Again, looking at her IMDb, it looks like she's been in a couple of previous entries. Specifically, Aftermath, where she played Gladys, Operator, and The Receptionist in a total of four episodes. 
Episode 6, Spoon Lighting. Bully overextends himself buying a birthday gift for LK, so he takes a job at a malt shop. Playing the proprietor of the malt shop, a person by the name of Doug, Robbie Rist. Donatello himself. Oh yeah, and something about Cousin Oliver, too. Second no-name, playing Mrs. Ryder. Oh my god, this is the first time we're talking about this lady. She is a legend. Gloria Henry! Dennis the Menace's mom! Oh. It may be the first time we're mentioning her, but she did appear in a previous entry. She was on an episode of The Brady Brides. But really beyond that, she wasn't on anything that was terribly short-lived. Episode 7, Are We Not Men? A bad book review depresses Quentin, and snobbish Eleanor feels it's a waste of time to try and cheer him up. But that doesn't stop Bully and Ricardo from trying. I got a great name for this episode. Playing just called Man at Basketball Game. Real specific name there is Mickey Morton. I hope you guys are sitting because I have the credit that's going to make you guys fall out of your chairs. He played Mala in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yes, because remember, Peter Mayhew in the Star Wars Holiday Special was kissed by a man. Merry Christmas. He was also Solomon Grundy in previous installments, Legends of the Superheroes. That makes three? Okay. He was also in Tales of the Gold Monkey. Oh my god! That's four! Loki Hall of Fame case! Wait, he was in a fifth show that we're going to cover eventually, even though it ran for like four seasons. He was in three episodes of Small Wonder. And it is a travesty, by the way. Oh, and he was in three episodes of Growing Pains. Oh, by the way, today would have been uh, Alan Thicke's 77th birthday. March 1st, I'm talking about. Episode 8, Bebop Man. Bully feels a twinge of jealousy when Ricardo receives recognition for a song he wrote decades ago. And a royalty check. So we have one big name, one kind of big name. Playing Jackie, somebody we already talked about on this podcast. Teddy Wilson from Sanford Arms. And that's my mama. This may be a preview of something that I may use as Money in the Bank fodder next year. He was on 10 episodes of Rollout in 1973 and 74. And there is a great story I just heard on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast regarding Rollout and specifically the star of that show, Stu Gilliam. I'm going to put it in my back pocket and save it but I really think we need to cover rollout one day. But yeah, Chico, there is another name in this episode that maybe rings a bell to me, but also should ring a bell to you guys. Playing a bouncer in this episode is Dan Tullis Jr. Where you know him from is Married with Children. He played Officer Dan. But also, he was a champion on the Jim Caldwell season of Tic-Tac-Doe. So he was... On a previous episode, tangentially, maybe? One more name. Playing Buddy Sims, Conte Condoli. You 
probably have no idea who this guy is, but he was a famous trumpeter, and he played the trumpet for the Doc Severinsen Orchestra Tonight Show. So Okay, so the people who ran Easy Street just had to go down studios in NBC and go to Carson Studio to Studio One or wherever he was at and say, hey, we need a trumpet player. There you go. Episode 9, Charity Begins at Home. LK turns Elder's dignified charity dinner into a tacky Las Vegas extravaganza when the orchestra cancels out on her fundraising event. Gosh, do you want names? There's names in this episode. Names upon names upon names. First of all, playing himself, Gober Pile himself, Jim Neighbors. Golly! Playing a lady by the name of Sheila. I'm guessing she's a showgirl like LK. Teresa Genzel, who we talked about in earlier entry, Teachers Only, but come on, we all know her as one of the best pyramid players ever. No, beyond that, we've talked about her because she was on The Duck Factory. Plus also, she was on at least one week of Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. But also, people like me, not necessarily of a certain age, but if you love The Tonight Show, since we just talked about The Tonight Show in the previous episode with the trumpeter, she played Art Fern's sidekick on the Tea Time movie segments. So she played the Carol Wayne role after Carol Wayne passed. But she wasn't as ditzy as Carol Wayne. I know Carol Wayne was smart, but... Oh, I just love Teresa Genzel. She's just so adorable and funny and, oh. Still is. Oh, nobody ever said she wasn't. But, oh, I just absolutely love Teresa Genzel. And that isn't even all with the names. Because playing Mrs. Bolton in this episode, I think we're making a Hall of Fame case here, guys. Liz Sheridan. And again, where you'd know her, one, Seinfeld. But also, two, again, Beloved to me, she played Raquel Akmanik on Elf. Her husband is played by Preston Hansen, and his best-known credit was as the MC in the feel-good film of 1988, Action Jackson. Episode 10, Like That Brave Little Gal in the Philippines. Panic runs through the house when it's learned that one of Ned McGuire's companies is losing a million dollars a month. And just as LK learns of that, Bully winds up in the hospital. Episode 11, My Dinner with LK. Bully and Ricardo set up LK on a date with a senatorial candidate. Playing said candidate, Brad Stark, a man by the name of John Riley, who is best known for 522 episodes of General Hospital as Sean Donnelly. He also voiced Hawkeye, Beetle, and Gletkin in 20 episodes of Iron Man, the animated series. And he's been on a number of previous entries. We may not have mentioned him, but the short list from what I can see, he was on, among other things, Tales of the Gold Monkey and The Powers of Matthew Starr. And here's Boomer and Madam's Place. So that's five episodes. I don't think we're going to be putting him in the Hall of Fame just because I think this is the first time we've mentioned him, but 
he's at that magic five number. And perhaps making a future Hall of Fame case, playing his aide is Sam McMurray. He was in Tracy Elman's show, among other things. He was Supervisor O'Boyle on King of Queens, if you're a fan of that. He also voiced Roy Hess on Dinosaurs, 49 episodes, because we love our dinosaurs around here. Just remember, they're not steroids. They're thordoids. Even though it had steroid in the episode title, they're not steroids. Can't say that on ABC. Not during the family hour. Episode 12, Demon Child 86. Oh, darn. I haven't seen Demon Child since Demon Child 78 and Demon Child PM. Remember when Jay Wolpert brought back Demon Child in 1998? Anyway. But that was just called Demon Child. Do you remember the original version called The Demon Child back in the 60s? Yeah. GSN rebooted it earlier this year as Hell Spawned. Do you remember the time that the person spun the star wheel on Demon Child PM and the wheel started going backwards? That was a wacky episode. No, I'm not high, people. This is Mike Stone Cold Sober, ladies and gentlemen. Eleanor gets roped into babysitting a friend's venomous teenage daughter for the weekend. Meanwhile, Bully and Ricardo care for a rat that they rescued from the pool and named Eleanor. So playing Cornelia Hemsdale, the teenage brat, Sarah Buxton from all 551 episodes of Sunset Beach, 195 episodes of The Bold and the Beautiful, and four episodes of Rags to Riches. I only mentioned that because we may be covering it soon, possibly. Hey, we got another name that we've talked about a couple of times. Playing Don Martin in this episode is Patrick Thomas O'Brien. We mentioned that he played Mr. Dewey on Saved by the Bell, but also he was in the movie UHF. He played Satan. I'm sorry, Satan? And I wish I had some sort of like echo effect, sort of like they did on uh, church chat back in the day. Satan? And he also was in an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The Gang Runs for Office, Season 2, Episode 8. Episode 13, and this is the last episode of the initial order of episodes, because I always start with 13. Friends for life. LK isn't happy to learn that Eleanor invited a dictator to stay at the house. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Playing said dictator from future entry Zorro and son, Henry Darrow. He plays the dictator by the name of Guillermo Cortez. I'm going to assume he's the Zorro. He is the Zorro. Now, hold on. Is the Guillermo on this show related to the Guillermo from Jimmy Kimmel Live? Don't you wish? Now, we did mention that he played Zorro and Zorro and Son. He was also one of the two actors who played Don Alejandro de la Vega, the father of Zorro, in The New Zorro. The other one, of course, being Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. And playing his wife... Christina Cortez is Silvana Gallardo. I mention her for one reason and one reason only, and I do this for Greg because I care about him. Greg, she was in an episode of What a Country. Second mention this episode. 
Oh, that's great. And I'm still looking for the lyrics. I'm going to find it before the end of the episode. So those were the first 13 episodes. Two of them aired on Saturday night before they moved to their regular time on Sunday night. Right after Our House and right before The Hogan Family. Or I guess it would be Valerie at this time. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. I mean, it did well, but there is a reason why we're talking about it on this show. And we'll get to that and the final nine episodes right after we take time out for these era-appropriate messages. After these messages, we'll be right back. One really good way to use the Bartles and James premium wine cooler is as a topping. For example, when used as a topping for ice, it improves the flavor of ice considerably. So instead of having your ice just plain, add some Bartles and James. You will notice a big improvement. He's a 42-year-old ex-Marine. Get up! He's a 14-year-old boy genius. Together, they'll trash the freshman class in Roomies, premiering Friday. <laughs> My first guest this evening is an absolute phenomenon. Would you please welcome Wrinkles the Talking Dog. Hello, I'm Wrinkles. And I'm Johnny. Can we talk? Wrinkles really does talk with you without a tape. It's yeah. all electronic. Why don't we kiss? I'm sorry, lips that touch dog food shall never touch mine. It's hard to believe new talking wrinkles carries on a conversation, but that's what friends are for. It's an alien. No kidding, where? It's living in America. I like what they've done with the place. It loves cats. Can't get enough of them. It's Alf. He's debonair, and yet fuzzy. My parents just don't understand our relationship. I mean, this whole cat thing's been blown all out of proportion. Alf. Alf, alien life form, new from Coleco. Come, see what's growing in the garden. What's chopping? What's baking? What's popping? What's shaking? What's savory? What's saucy? What's squeaky? What's sweet? What's twirling and whirling? What's wooing and eyeing? The best of Italy is what's growing in the garden. The Olive Garden Italian Restaurant. Sunday, the NFL plays here when the Jets battle the Patriots. Before your team takes the field, our team hits the air. NFL 86. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed that little tribute we slipped in the commercial break there. Yes. Rest in peace, Virgil. Now let's resume with the last nine episodes. So now we are back into January. And our house has started to pick up steam, which can only help Easy Street. Right? We'll get to that. But first, let's talk about the remainder of the run. Episode 14, Frames and Dames. All eyes are on LK when she goes bowling with Bully and Ricardo. Meanwhile, Quentin racks his brain to devise a profitable invention. Playing Ernst Kleinstabber, and yes, that is his Christian name, Armin Shimmerman, a.k.a. Quark from the Star Trek franchise. Another name in this episode is Ernie, played by Al Ruscio, 
who played Mr. Carlman in Showgirls and Leo Caneo in The Godfather Part 3 and was on a handful of episodes of Seventh Heaven. Episode 15, the check is in the mail. While Eleanor's busy hiring a press agent, Bully wants to give money to a down-on-his-luck boxer he read about in a Bleeding Heart story in a newspaper. The Boston Bleeder, he's called, and he's played by Jeffrey Lewis, who was Orville in the 1978 classic Every Which Way But Loose. And playing Perry, the press agent, Lance Kinsey, a.k.a. Proctor from the Police Academy movies. Proctor! Fun fact, he was also a story consultant and a creative consultant on both Sue Thomas FBI and Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh. Episode 16, The Mad Gardener. Although the lawn stinks and the plants are dying, no one has the nerve to fire the creepy gardener for fear that he'll become unhinged. Ravenkeep, the mad gardener, is played by a favorite of Hugh Wilson's and Lottie Anderson's, Richard Sanders, Les Nesman himself. As God is his witness, he thought turkeys could fly. Episode 17, Willpower. With a trial date set for her case against LK, finally, Eleanor decides to suck up to Bobby to ensure his testimonial won't be damaging. Playing Tim Weathergate, the judge in this case, Dakin Matthews. We talked about him in previous entry, Drexel's class. Episode 18, Too Many Cooks, Too Many Cooks. Chef Vito is beside himself when Bully takes over the kitchen in preparation for a chili cooking contest. Playing Chef Vito, we talked about him before. The one, the only, star of Lots of Luck, Dom DeLuise. It's also, let's tie it in another way with Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Anderson was married to Burt Reynolds, and Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise, they go back specifically to Cannonball Run. Episode 19, Our Kind of People. Eleanor and Quentin sell the house next door, but they have regrets when they realize that the new owner is a rock star. Oh, the rock star they got. Oh, my gosh. Guy by the name of Colin Hammersmith, but who played him? We've mentioned him in the past. I mentioned him when we were talking about the Moondog Coronation Ball, because... Uh, I forget what the, the episode was, but Greg mentioned it within the last couple of months. And I talked about the Moondog Coronation Ball that happened here annually up until maybe, I'm guessing, 10-ish years ago. Because we were talking about Alan Freed. And the name that I mentioned that I really wanted to see at this, and he played this uh, occasionally, Peter Noon from Herman's Hermits. That is a classic name. Just a, a great talent, a funny guy. I mean... Look at Herman's Hermit's songs. I'm Henry VIII, I am. That's a brilliant song. I love it. Something Good is also a really good song. Now, hold on a second, because we know that was in The Naked Gun. Mike, what did they just announce about The Naked Gun? Oh, my gosh. I can't wait for this. This could be epic in about a year, but also it gives us a reason to put Police Squad on the schedule. 
they're rebooting the Naked Gun with Liam Neeson and producing it is Seth MacFarlane. Okay, he's not Zucker, who can be, but I want to see what Seth MacFarlane does with this. And I still need to get Peacock so I can watch Ted. And actually, <laughs> my coworkers are telling me I should watch another show on Peacock. It's called like Couples to Thruples. What? Couple to Thruple. Yeah. That's going on the year review, by the way. I gotta put it's like we can't not talk about that. My coworkers have been talking about it all this week. And I don't want to watch it, but they're like, it's like a train wreck you can't avoid. You have to like turn and look at it. Now hold on a second. The naked gun reboot. Is this gonna be on Paramount Plus? Because remember, Paramount owns the rights to the original Naked Gun franchise. I thought this was going to be a theatrical release, but I could be wrong. Okay, so this is going to be a theatrical release. So I'm guessing it's going to be to a Paramount, correct? Again, I just heard the news. I didn't read any details about it. It's still in the very early stages. But it did say summer of 2025. So fingers crossed in the next year and a half or so. Okay, I'm looking at the ABC News article about it. it is being done through Paramount. So maybe I need to get Paramount Plus 2 now. Great. Help them out. They're bleeding money. Anyway, lesser name in this episode, Robert Ackerman plays Mr. Percy. He played J.P. Morgan on an episode of Voyagers. Wait, I must have missed the episode of Voyagers where they went to see the gong show. We're talking about the baker, J.P. Morgan. Not that and really greg i really want to get this mental image of robert ackerman flashing the camera out of my mind asshole episode 20 the country club gambling problems arise when bully and ricardo visit the country club meanwhile elder quentin and lk are forced to contend with staggering income taxes couple big names in this one we have as lester r wiltman kenneth kimmons from coach play ross chamberlain ronan o'casey who played rutherford in 1956's 1984 but was also on previous entry the nut house and future entries sledgehammer and shell game biggest name in this episode playing chip blaisdale the President of the United States, President Palmer, Dennis Haysbert. So if you're keeping score, that's now three references to 24. Episode 21, Made in Italy. Wait, Made in Italy? Is this going to be about the time going into Jordan Dolph Garden? Cheese it up! Cheese it up! Cheese it up! We would like the Italian margarita. By the way, this episode is not sponsored by the Olive Garden. This is just an expression of love. Now, hold on a second. While we're mentioning Olive Garden, Mike, can you describe your background on Zoom to the audience? Well, it's a memorial to Virgil. And what it is, it's a picture of Virgil sitting at a convention booth with uh, nobody near him. And I put in this with big text. 
R.I.P. Virgil, may you eternally enjoy all the Olive Garden breadsticks and meat sauce there is in the afterlife. He would have wanted it that way. And we should mention, this was part of our little pre-show routine. Because Greg, his Zoom background is about Sting retiring, which is fine. But I actually said to Greg, I said, really? Of all the opportunities to like pay honor to Virgil, you're not going to do it? Well, darn it, I will then. And I love that it's the picture of Virgil at the convention with nobody near him, with Virgil Wrestling Superstar, which they actually, when they made a Virgil figure by Mattel a couple of years ago, they actually do have WWE Superstar Virgil in that exact font as a prop. I'm not Oh, I didn't even talk about what this episode was about. Everyone is exceptionally pleased with the new maid's job performance, but no one knows how to comfort her when she begins sobbing uncontrollably. Turns out she becomes homesick. The maid, an Angelica de Benedetto, is played by Amy Aquino, who is in future entry, just one of the boys, with Maria Conchita Alonso. And another DeLuise, Michael DeLuise, playing a character named Guido is Vincent Guastafero, who is best known as Deputy Rick Cologne in Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Oh, the one where Horshack gets it from Jason. Episode 22, the final episode, Spring Fever. Eleanor and Quentin are annoyed when LK falls for Lane, their house guest, and Bully becomes overprotective. Meanwhile, Bobby is smitten when he discovers he has a secret admirer. Playing Lane, straight out of Riptide, Perry King! Oh, that's terrific. Did the robot get work in this episode? Probably the one that was falling for uh, Bobby. Well, as we all know, in a couple months, Joe Penny is going to be on Jake and the Fat Man, and he's going to be asked by William Conrad what was in the Danish. I thought that was the plot to Batman 66. No, the plot of Batman 66 is going to be how the Fat Man became fat, and also he's going to be eating all those Danishes and wondering what was in them. And then in Jake and the Fat Man, he asked Joe Penny what was in the Danish. We're never going to find out what's in that dang on. Danish. Anyway. It was cheese! We know it's cheese! Okay. Cheese gives him gas! It gives him a problem. And that's the show, basically. I mean, it stayed on the Sunday night schedule, and it stayed an integral part of NBC's Sunday night schedule with your Our House and your Hogan family and your movie of the week. Now, hold on. It was not the Hogan family yet. It was still Valerie. And I said that earlier, too, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yeah, the first season, it was called Valerie, 86-87. Then it had about 14 more names in the final couple seasons. Easy Street was a very steady performer for NBC at that time. But there was one problem. It was on at 8 o'clock on Sunday. And what are you watching if you're watching TV at 8 o'clock on Sunday. Oh, 60 minutes. 8 o'clock. Oh, Murder, She Wrote. Oh, wait, hold on. I gotta do, like, Pat Summerall. 
murder. She wrote. As good as a show as that is, you're not beating Murder, She Wrote. So, rather than go through the whole rigmarole of getting the cast back together for Easy Street, when Rags to Riches was a suitable fit, by the way, Rags to Riches was the show that replaced Easy Street Sundays at 8, fit in with an audience, they decided, NBC decided, that is, to cut their losses, and move on. Easy Street was briefly run on Lifetime shortly after its cancellation. It was never given a proper home release. Three episodes have made their way onto the Internet Archive. One episode made its way onto YouTube. The rest of the series is considered lost media. Lonnie Anderson would not suffer any career-ending damage from this show. In fact, she would find later success reprising her role as Jennifer Marlowe on WKRP in Cincinnati. That should be the new WKRP in Cincinnati. And not only that, she would find love. Yeah, with Turd Ferguson. You don't look like Norm MacDonald to me. I'm just imagining Burt Reynolds coming out and wearing this big foam cowboy hat. And if you look dotted on the uh, schedule in the late 90s to early 2000s, you can find her in that thing where she is that blonde from that thing. Most notably or probably most lengthy as Mandy Mullet Heidecker on The Mullets. Oh no! But that's another story for another day. Well, look on the bright side. It gives us an excuse to talk about David Woodsby and John O'Hurley. Yes, and also yes. So yeah, that's pretty much all she wrote on this show. I mean, Easy Street was a good idea on paper. It had the audience, but NBC, they wanted to go in a different direction on Sundays, knowing full well that they could not beat Murder, She Wrote. They moved Valerie over to Mondays to follow Alf. Valerie moved on from Valerie, and Easy Street just became upping on TV. Now, hold on a second. Before Mike does this weekend match game, Hollywood Squares Hour update, would you believe that while doing some random Googling, I found something that's not related to this episode, but related to something we talked about, and I just had to do a non-eBay price right for it. Guys, you're going to be bidding on from ringsidecollectibles.com the figure of Virgil that I just talked about. It is from Mattel. It says, first time in the line, Virgil. Includes convention sign. That's the sign that says, Virgil. WWE Superstore. Guys, what is the price on ringsidecollectibles.com for this figure? Chico, I'm going to start the bidding with you. $25. $25, Mike. And worth every penny at $25. 
You know, I was going to actually say $25. Was this price found today or just now? Today. I mean, just now. This is the price right now. And this is the price that they're offering on this uh, website? Yes. Okay. I'll go $29. You've both overbid. Of course we did. (laughs) Well, I'm buying it now then because seriously, I thought it would be like 30 bucks. Okay. Um... I got to go lower than $25. $15 and worth every penny. Mike. $18 and worth every penny. You're not going to believe this. $24.99. Oh, ah! Chico, you're over by a penny. But we were ah! both going to say $25, so we we're both technically over by a penny. I only so, I only thought that way because it was like, you know, that's how much I pay for a lightning collection figure, but I think I got them all, so it's like, oh god, what do I do with my time now? Oh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, look at it. The only thing you're missing is like a little folding table. Hey, I'll stick with my Virgil Hasbro that I have. Thank you very much. No, seriously, I would get that in a heartbeat. I would love if obviously he was still alive. And I'm sure that if he was still alive, he'd be somewhere this weekend signing autographs. I would love to get that signed. But yeah, I'd spend 25 on that. I've got in my Amazon queue the Alf NECA figurine that I've had sitting there for the last like three months. I, for some reason, can't pull the trigger on that. And on my Best Buy queues, I have both dinosaurs figurines. I have Earl and Baby Sinclair. But again, me being the tightwad I am, I can't pull the trigger on spending 70 bucks on those two figurines. Now, hold on. What if you had, I love to see this, you buying the Earl Sinclair figure, you buying the Virgil figure, and you having them next to each other. Uh, now, I think what would be better is if I had the Earl Sinclair figure with the Virgil sign, Virgil WWE Superstar. You can pretend it's Virgil in the Earl Sinclair suit. <laughs> or maybe even better yet, maybe I can get Baby Sinclair with Virgil and have Baby Sinclair hit him over the head with a folding chair. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> okay, I need to stop buying sports cards with my money. I need to buy these figurines and just like recreate these scenes for our enjoyment. While you do that, I think it's time to jump into the TARDIS and go back to 1984. No, I don't want to. I want to think Get about... in the TARDIS, Mike! No, shush! I want to think about Baby Sinclair hitting Get in Virgil. the TARDIS right now! No, stop! No, don't tell me what to do, Dad. I still want to think about Virgil hitting... Vir- Virgil hitting Virgil. Baby Sinclair hitting Virgil over the head with the folding chair. <laughs> and then they all That's... go to Olive Garden to get breadsticks afterwards. <laughs> Okay, I'm going in the TARDIS. Here we go. I was going to say, Baby Sinclair <laughs> with the most shocking heel turn of all time. <laughs> that no, wasn't really that shocking if you think about it. Oh, yeah, because remember that episode where we saw Baby Sinclair as a grown-up and they showed the flashback security cam footage of him doing the stick-up? I blame you, Bobby. Yeah, I'm the baby. Gotta love me. Okay, let's do the thing with Gene and Bowser now. 
It's time for this weekend match game. Hollywood Square. Our history. Hey, baby Sinclair, put down the damn folding chair while I'm doing this segment. So, we're in the first full week. <laughs> damn it, I can't do this. <laughs> so, we're in the first full week of March of 1984 now. And this week, we have Aaron Moran, who would have been in the final season of Happy Days this year. James Sloyan from O Madeline. Nancy Frangione. Fred Travelina, Charles Nelson Riley, Martha Smith, Christopher Rich, and Bob Eubanks from Dreamhouse. This week, one of the things that's noted is that the X's and O's in the squares segment have newer and brighter lighting, which I remember it was kind of dim early on. And that was the only thing dim, right, John Bauman? But anyhow, how the hell did this show go off the rails? But also this week, you had Johnny Olsen actually filling in for three episodes for Gene Wood. So you got to hear him say, from Dreamhouse, Bob Eubanks. It's not as good as from Hot Potato, Bill Cullen, but you take what you can get. So we did have a retired champion leave on the Tuesday episode. Joyce Reeves left with $57,700. And uh, they actually brought back a contestant from week 11. So that would have been eight weeks earlier due to a problem with a question. And in terms of big money wins this week, the aforementioned Joyce Reeves, she won $20,000 with John on Monday. And then Wednesday, John gave away another $20,000. See if you can follow a trend here, guys. And then on Thursday, $10,000 with John. And then Thursday, $10,000 with take a guess who? John? No, Christopher Rich. Of course, John Bauman. So, he won four times this week. This is like a trend, because everybody goes to John, and I think I mentioned in a previous update that I noticed for a long period of time, talking literally months, that John Bauman didn't have the 30. Supposedly, this was picked at random. I mean, I could easily figure out the probability of John not being picked 45 or 50 times in a row, but it just seems a little weird that he never had the 30. Just saying. Next week, I think this is the first week of one of our favorites appearing on Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. And we actually referred to the TV show he was on at that point earlier in this episode. Maybe that'll give Greg and Chico an idea as to who we're going to see. We'll talk about him and other people next week. Chico, let's wrap up this thing. I want to put in there audio of... uh, uh, I can't say it. Audio of baby Sinclair hitting Virgil with the folding chair and saying, (laughs) Okay. I'm going to just mute now. Shut up, Mike. Oh, God. Well, while Mike does his level best to try and calm himself down, you animal, we'll remind you that you can always go to our website. It was the thing on TV.com. You can listen to the 458 episodes we've recorded previously. 
We've got bonuses, including mini shows, live shows, previous episodes, instant reactions, delayed reactions, anything. They're all there. Remember, we're on all social media. And if you're looking for us on Facebook, we're at It Was a Thing on TV podcast. If you're looking for us on Mastodon, we're at It Was a Thing on TV at tvwatch.party. Subscribe to the podcast where refined podcasts can be streamed. Remember to support the things you love on YouTube by flirting with that little subscribe button and hitting that notification bell so you can stay up to date on all the things that we have in store for you coming down the pike, including the beginning of a tradition that's a bit supersized this year. Usually we do two episodes for Lost of Translation Week. This year, we're doing three. And it's not just one week. It's three weeks. We'll explain why in the next episode. But in the meantime, for Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to one another. And we'll see you for the next one. Wow. That was a subtle roar. That was a sexy roar. I want to be an American. I want to live here to stay. I want to be an American. I want to say what I got to say. I want to be an American in the land of the free. I want to be an American. It's right for me. Hello, Lincoln. Hello, Dixie. Hello, hot dog. Hello, baseball. Hello, Broadway. Hello, hello, hello. I want to be an American. I want to be an American. In the land of the free. In the land of the free. I want to be an American. I want to be an American. It's right for me. It's right for me. In America, it's right for me. That might be the best ending ever. Sunday, Easy Street moves to its regular time with a big celebration. That dude is a party reptile. Brush up your social skills. No. For Easy Street. Then let's all raise a toast. Ah, I have raised a fool. To the season premiere of Valerie. And I'm not even dressed yet. Sunday. And...